This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Welcome to The Relationship Show with Dr. Allison Nirenberg and friends, your radio destination for living room conversation about some of the challenges you may be experiencing in life. Exclusively presented by Psychological Counseling Services, PCS. The Relationship Show, where Dr. Allison Nirenberg will listen to your problems and provide some practical solutions. It's The Relationship Show with Dr. Allison Nirenberg and her friends Jeff and Joe, recording from the Jacob Media Studios. Welcome to The Relationship Show with Dr. Allison Nirenberg and friends. I'm Dr. Allison Nirenberg, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. For those of you who can't see me, I am sitting here in the studio wearing my Red Phillies World Series t-shirt that was a present for me from my husband Jeff Nirenberg this week. And Jeff is sitting right next to me and he's wearing an oversized vintage Mike Schmidt uh, jersey that's really big that he wears every <laughs> single time when there's a big important Phillies game. Um, I think he thinks it's good luck. But even our friend Joe Doc is sitting here Ooh. wearing his Phillies hat. And Joe Krause, our producer, is wearing his Phillies red. Go we Phillies. Are, yes, we are all in here, you know, catching the Phillies fever that has t overtaken the city of Philadelphia. And, it, you know, it's, it's just a lot of excitement for the city. And as we're doing this, it makes me think about how that relates to our topic. Our topic today is treating our professional athletes and celebrities. And, you know, I came up with this topic as I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about the excitement in the air for the Phillies and how people make our athletes, our professional athletes, like they're considered gods, they're considered heroes. And, you know, people forget that they're human beings, too. And uh, as a psychologist, a big part of my practice the last 15 years has been being a psychologist for professional athletes. I've worked with people from the NBA, the NHL, and the National Soccer League. And it's kind of ironic because I'm not a super sports fan. But I, um, I am a fan of healing and families and health and you know, helping my patients realize their humanity and feel good about themselves. And I, I think sometimes that our athletes carry so much pressure pressure to be perfect, pressure to perform, pressure to have the stats look good and to handle the social media. It's a lot. So between our athletes and our celebrities, uh, there's a lot that goes on and some oftentimes there's uh, addictions that happen and things aren't like what they seem on the surface. Makes me think of Dickie Knowles. I met him uh, a bunch of years ago. He's a uh, He's a, one of the Phillies who was in the Phillies in the early 80s and has been in recovery since that time. And he's helped so many people get into recovery. He's helped so many Phillies. And then I thought about Roy Holiday, who went through rehab in 2019, and it did not take and ended up um, relapsing with pain pills and being in a plane plane crash and dying. So I, I think about the people who've made it and who've helped other people, but I also carry in my heart some sadness and loss for the families of the people who did not make it. And, you know, <coughs> along with sports stars, I think about um, celebrities. And I know that Math Matthew Perry, who was Chandler and Friends, um, has just written a book about his recovery experience. And you know, what was going on within him. And he looked so great on the surface. You know, he was funny and witty and charming as he was Chandler on Friends, but he was suffering inside. And when he was 24, he developed an addiction of Vicodin where he took 55 Vicodin a day. And he had this great quote that I just recently heard. And it was, when fame happens, it is kind of like a Disney world for a, for a while. For me, it lasted about eight months. This feeling of I've made it. I'm thrilled. There's no problem in the world. Then you realize that it doesn't accomplish anything. It's certainly not filling any holes in your life. In 2000, he was hospitalized for pancreatitis, which was caused by alcohol consumption. 
And I thought about that episode where he was um, married Monica. That was like the height of the highest point of his stardom. And it was this amazing wedding scene. And what I didn't know was that he had a sober technician from the rehab he was staying at drive him to the set that day and back. He looked so smooth and so successful, and nobody knew what the real story was. And, I, you know, I think about this, and I think about it when we're talking about celebrities and, and uh, athletes and people who look like they have it all together on social media or on TV. But there is no perfect person. We all have struggles, and things are never what they seem. You know, back to Matthew Purry, he spent two months in a coma, he had five months of being hospitalized and nine months with a, colon a colostomy where there was 2% chance to live. He had 14 operations and 15 visits to rehab. Boy, I hope he makes it. You know, he, I mean, he's putting himself out there and he's taking a risk to help a lot of people. But there's so many stories like this in Hollywood. You know, we all know about Drew Barrymore, who grew up in front of our eyes and got into recovery early in her uh, late teens. And then Demi Lovato, who had an eating disorder and who would cut herself. And then Amy Winehouse, that talented singer who sang that wonderful song, Rehab, but herself didn't go to rehab. And Zac Efron and Lindsay Lohan, Ben Affleck. I mean, there's so many celebrities who've struggled with addiction, with depression, with anxiety. I think of Robin Williams, and I like, what a talent. And his depression really inter interfered and ended up making him take his own life. You know, treating professional athletes, one of the things I've learned is that they're really isolated, despite having so many people around them and teammates and friends, it looks like. They don't know if people really care about them or just care about them because of their celebrity. They often grow up being the breadwinners in their family, which changes your dynamic with your parents. It changes your dynamic and the value that you have. It also, you have to spend your early life not being a kid, but being, you know, having to perform and you miss out on going to the prom, you miss out on graduation, on other, other healthy socialization experiences. And living in the spotlight is difficult. There's that pressure to be perfect, that pressure to perform. And when you have a struggle like all of us do, whether it's a DUI, whether it's a breakup, whether it's an affair, it's all over TMZ. It's all over your social media page for your sports team. And it's people are, in a way, happy to see you fail. What do you guys think? Joe, Jeff? It's so sad. I mean, throughout my life, we've watched these celebrities be built up and torn down. And then when social media started, I just thought it was ground zero for the end of any innocence or any privacy in your life. And really, a lot of these people have no chance. I mean, you've listed the ones that we know of that have failed, but... Most of them are, are struggling with perfectionism and, and addiction because being perfect is really the standard they're held to, and it's impossible. You know, and I, and I thought is, you know, it's baseball season. I mean, it's, it's the World Series, right? And so we're all excited, um, but baseball is a, a sport of failure, and the pressures are immense. It, you know, you don't get a lot of people um, kind of – uh, understanding a lot of empathy for a pro athlete because they're thinking they're making this is what goes with the turf. You're making millions of dollars. You're you know you're getting all these. But guess what? Um, you talk we we a couple of weeks ago when Reese Hoskins had his uh, you know really really uh, difficult situation on the diamond right there made some errors. By the way, those errors. You heard of Bill Buckner, right? Sure. Okay, stuck with him for the rest of his life. Thank God. Now look at the hero that he is. Now Philadelphia thinks he's that, a god. That, that's right. 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 That's right. But yeah. you're you're in a situation where all these elements come to play, and by the way, they're human beings as well. So it's so interesting. I was with an athlete last week, and he said to me, he said, "You ever imagine making a mistake and having a whole stadium boo you?" And I, it hit me on and a different level. 10 million Twitter followers following along, you know, in real time. Oh, and by the way, how does that work with your relationship, too, when you get home? Right. I mean, it, it, the impact must be, you know, personally unbelievable. And then, when you know, how do you, how do you try to maintain a relationship, uh, you know, with, with, with your partner? 
uh, obviously through something like that. If you can barely can control your own emotions and then taking that home. And then you add the fact that you have stats for every practice and for every game. And if you're not perfect, you know, you, you, you feel terrible and you also expect that same level of perfection from your partner, which sets them up to fail. We can talk about this for so long, but we got to take a break right now and I have an amazing guest to bring in, um, Brad Langenberg, and he's an interventionist who has so much to offer. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to The Relationship Show with Dr. Allison Nirenberg and Friends, supported by the Keystone Center in Chester, PA, part of United Health Systems. The show returns after this timeout. Read, learn, and enjoy No Perfect Love by Dr. Allison Nirenberg. Explore the origins of perfectionism. Learn how it keeps our relationships stuck in a cycle of disappointment, anger, and resentment. Dr. Allison has shattered the myth of happily ever after, moving couples from Disney princess pipe dreams into the real world where even the best of relationships is far from perfect. Get your copy of No Perfect Love, by Dr. Allison Nirenberg. Available at major and independent bookstores and online booksellers. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Relationship Show with support from Nirenberg Law Associates. If you were injured in a car accident, suffered a slip and fall, or a work-related injury, talk with a personal injury attorney who will get you the proper compensation. With offices in Center City, go to phillypilaw.com. Injured in an accident? Let the law firm of Nirenberg Law Associates work for you because your choice of attorney matters. Let the law firm of Nirenberg Law Associates educate you on your rights because your choice of attorney matters. Meet directly with founder Jeff Nirenberg. He's results-oriented, he's aggressive when he needs to be on your behalf, and he wins. Go to phillypilaw.com. That's phillypilaw.com. So I'm glad to welcome you back to The Relationship Show. This is Dr. Allison Nirenberg, and I am introducing you to our guest, Brad Langenberg. He is a small-town Nebraska cowboy who even showed up today wearing a cowboy hat and looked pretty cool. With over 30 years' experience in drug and alcohol treatment, from interventions, equine therapy, to facilitating groups, coaching to leadership and team building, Brad has worked with a wide range of clients, from homeless kids of Venice Beach to celebrity and Forbes list clientele. He has facilitated groups and intervened with eating disorders, sex addiction, substance abuse, and other emotional health issues. Brad's approach to intervention is to open the heart to receive the gifts of recovery. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, everyone. It was so great to listen to you guys. You guys, I learned a lot listening to you. It's good to see you again. Greetings. I was thinking about, as you were talking about athletes and, you know, the problems that they have to deal with, as I spoke at a panel at Seton Hall on the fentanyl crisis. And they had a lot of people there. And, and I thought about, what am I going to say? Because I don't think that we have a fentanyl crisis. I think we have a society crisis. And we live in such a competitive world. And, and what I'm seeing out there is that the one thing that we all have in common in this room and what we have in common out there is that we're all fear-based, doing everything we can to cover it up. Boy, I'm really relating to what you're saying. I, especially this year as, you know, I have put myself out there by writing this book and doing this radio show and I've tried to get into the social media. And boy, I, I end up feeling like crap. Every time I go on it, I feel scared that I'm not good enough for these other psychologists who, who seem to be able to put it out there and do these reels and look smiley and cute. But you said it. They seem. Yeah. They seem. And so for me, it, it was a long time I was in recovery, and I happened to look up the word personality. And I don't know the word. It comes from the word persona, and in Latin or Greek, that means mask. So all my life, I've had this image or mask, and underneath the mask is something completely different. And the, the celebrities, the athletes are the very same way. You're talking about it now is that, I mean, I don't read a lot of poetry, but I read a long time ago that Longfellow wrote that if you could see that everyone secretly suffers, you, could, you would be much kinder to each other. And, I, and that's, I think, the beautiful thing that happens when we kind of really see that they're just people. You know what I mean? They have the same difficulties that we do. 
and we do everything we can to cover up these difficulties. I have a friend, Jeanette Kutcha, who says every every person puts on their pants one leg at a time. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough because we were talking about some of the athletes that have, you know, they went from hero to zero and then they're going back again. And they do, can you imagine some of the pressure? Oh, I mean, you know, you think about it and I, I find it, you know, you, you mentioned fear based, Brad. I, I, you know, I sit there and, and everybody's got a self-image and a lot of times we base it on the success of others, not really understanding what that individual is going through. And it's very difficult, to, you know, to kind of because even on TV, like they market everything, right? They, everything's a, is a pretty picture, um, but real life can be, uh, you know. And I, I've talked about balance. What is success? You know, I, I mean, you, you know, like family, uh, you know, your job, your career, all those things. Um, it, it, you, you could be a billionaire and, and have a great career, but if your family's falling apart, where are we at here? So, so but you Brad, said we, it. We were, we were talking about Tom Brady at the beginning. Think right. about him. I think he's the greatest example right now of what we're talking about. What does he have to gain by playing and continuing down this path of what? What Super Bowl, what MVP, what accolades could this man receive that changes his life? And now we're hearing that he's getting divorced. And, and what a cost to, you know, to suffer because of fame and fortune and trying to be perfect. Yeah, that's a tough one, especially in, in you see that with athletes and celebrities always trying to recapture the rapture, you know, trying to get that one more. And, and it doesn't work all the time, you know, and, and I've always got to look, you know, sometimes I get struggle on what to have for lunch, let alone what's good for you. I mean, and the truth of the matter is I have my own challenges. Why would they be any differently? It's, it, but it, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Brian. But it's so amazing is we live in a world where we just jump on people that make mistakes when you know if we're all real honest about it we're all struggling i mean i've done enough family groups i know and i've done a lot of family groups and interventionists interventions on monks and psychologists yeah well i can share with you i had an anxiety dream this week where i dreamed that we had this show today and i forgot and in yeah. my dream, you showed up and you had driven all this way and, and you wrote a note and said, hey, Dr. Allison, where are you? And I just was caught up in something else and forgot about it. And I, and I think it comes down to that fear. No matter how good we all look, is it's that fear that we're not going to be enough. We're not going to be good enough. Well, um, Joe had mentioned success. And I realized not long ago that it's impossible to label myself a success or a failure without comparing myself somehow. And we live in a society full of comparison. I mean, we do it all day long and we look at relationships, we look at the cars we drive, we look at how we're performing. It's so difficult to, to live in all that. It makes it a real challenge for everyone. Well, it's interesting because greatness does not come uh, without, you know, often, if not always, pain. You know, a Tom Brady's a great example, and I'm a fan of Tom, even though I'm from Philly and, and, and a lot of my friends, you know, jump on me. But the thing is this. And he cheated to win a Super Bowl uh, right, against the Eagles. Well, but, he, but, but he also won six other ones. That's important. Listen, having said that, though, I mean, you look at a lot of greatness doesn't come with a lot without a lot of um, often a lot of problems, a lot of uh, there, there can be. Uh, major issues with some and, and it com somebody who can never stop prove, proving themselves. But you're only seeing Tom Brady on, the, on, you know, on the poster, you know, at the Super Bowl. Um, but, it, you know, individuals get their motivations, especially those who are, incre you know, who can't let go or, or, or things like that. You know, you look at some of these, I'll say Springsteen. I'm a big fan of Springsteen. But, you know, at what point does he satisfied with himself and, and his career? Uh, there can be complications there. Well, it's difficult. I, I can still remember watching uh, a show with uh, Robert Redford, and they were talking about him, and he goes, you don't understand. I've always wanted to be Paul Newman. And it's yeah. funny you mentioned Springsteen because he went public and said how he has depression and has taken an antidepressant. I yeah. mean, this is Bruce Springsteen. I, I love the fact that some celebrities are becoming yeah. more public about it and less yeah. pathologizing. You, you talk about interventions, and I know you, you, you're, you're going to get into that. Um, and they, they must be some of the most painful uh, sit, you know, situations. Do you bring, you talk, do you draw from obviously your own experiences um, when you sit in, you know, obviously in front of somebody with their family around them? Because those can be obviously incredibly painful situations. So how do you do it? And, do you, and is, is it personal for you? 
Well, it is personal because I'm in recovery myself, so I really understand the pain because I'm not only a drug addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm also a compulsive overeater, bulimic, I'm also a former steroid abuser, codependency, nicotine, caffeine, and the list goes on. Maybe a little love addiction in there, too. <laughs> Mix it up. Boom, you, co- you, you got covered me. covered all of them. Right? covered it all. <laughs> so I really, I, I have an understanding for that. And, you know, because of my own past, my own childhood, growing up, I'm an only child country kid from Nebraska. And I am from that small. You can actually, I have a picture of my hometown where I'm standing by the population sign, you know, at the beginning of town. In that picture, if you look closely, you can see the other end of town. <laughs> That's how small it is. But I had a brother and sister. They both died when I was young. And um, there was they had seizures, so there would be 911s. We'd literally have 911s every other week. And that was for my first till I was probably from... 2 to 11 or 12 so that's happened all the time so that's what I kind of grew up with how did that impact you well it helps me great in interventions because that chaos is where I can handle it yeah I can handle conflict and chaos and that's the place where my waters will get calm it's so interesting you say that I can relate I grew up in a family with alcoholism and so I I always felt great in chaos I always feel like I'm very calm when there's a crisis which helps me as a psychologist what I learned is I don't want that chaos in my personal life. Yeah. And I grew up in a family of chaos also, and I'm in a profession of chaos, and it's really important to stay calm because people are depending on you in their, in their time of need to give a level-headed opinion and try to how write, do you, How do you ship. think, Jeff, your family impacted you? So I just grew up in a, in a family where, where my mother in particular was, was chaotic and, and just very, very hard person at times to live with, and I just learned how to tune things out and... And, and, and really just focus on what I needed to do. And I escaped into baseball, sports, and, and, and school. And it drove me to be very singularly focused and be able to sort of micromanage and compartmentalize as a young person. And that has helped me and also hurt me in, in my life because you know it's, it's made it hard for me to express what's important or what, what I'm really feeling because I've just been taught to kind of put it over here and, and plow forward. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, face the same problems and same struggles. I'll jump in on there and say that, um, you know, I had a perfect childhood. I don't know what you people are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just kid- I'm, I'm just kidding, of course. Right. Um, going through a lot of those situations, empathy to me, you know, it's it it's it's um, it comes natural because you feel somebody else's pain. And so uh, talk about that, if you would, Brad. Well, you know what? I'm kind of careful with that because this picking up on someone's pain, it's not like I'm taking it on myself. Sure. I'm observing it. Two different things for me, you know, because if I take that on, that's more codependency than it is empathy. That's, I don't know where you're at with that. I I agree completely. So when I hear people talking about, oh, I've just taken on all their pain, I'm going, that's not empathy. That's codependency. That's something completely different. By the way, that was a test, Brad. Was it? Oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. No, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, to get back to like working with the, with this, doing that with high profile people, it's really no different than doing it with anybody else. Uh, the difficult thing for me a lot of times is there's a lot of work that goes up to that point. You know, like I'll put 40 hours in, maybe longer working on an intervention with somebody. Um, but there has to be some type of hook. I've got to find a way to, there's got to be a hook like you know, like working with parents, let's say I work with a parents and this happens a lot, especially with wealthy parents, you know, they're, they're, they're financially supporting them. So you can always say, hey, you go this direction, I can support you. If you go this direction, I can, I'm always going to love you. If you go this direction, I can always love and support you. You go this direction, I can love you. Do you follow me? Yeah. And so there has to be that hook, like, you know what, unless you go to treatment, we just can't, we can't go any further. It's too painful to watch you do this. So in other t- words, you want to set boundaries. You want to help the parents Some boundaries. set boundaries. And also it's really important to let people, the people around to let it know it's not about, this isn't, for when we go in to do an intervention, this is about honoring you. Yeah. This is about, we're here to give you a gift, this gift of recovery. Because, you know, you were talking about it. And I've worked with people in the past that I've seen how troubled they were. Um, and then the news crews show up to do an interview, and I mean, it's like two different people. It's yeah. amazing to watch how talented they are to put it together. And as soon as we get done, they're like, how, how was that? And I'm going, wow, you were awesome. 
they're going, I felt so horrible inside, you know, and I'm like, wow. And you know what? I should understand that because I understand I'm the very same way. I can still remember I was walking through the streets of Beverly Hills with a guy, and he was in the top 250 people on that Forbes list. And I had some financial stuff going on. I was early in recovery. I was walking with him, and he looked at me, and he goes, what's wrong with you today? And I go, oh, I just got such financial insecurity going on. And part of me said that, hoping he'd give me some. But <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me and said, yeah, me too. And the way he said it, and he talked about it. I knew that he had financial insecurity going. And that made a difference to me because I knew I'm not ever going to make enough for that to go away. Yeah. That yeah. self-worth and self-confidence doesn't come from the outside. So, so powerful. All right. We're going to need to take a break and let's return in just a couple minutes. If you want to connect directly with Dr. Allison Nirenberg, drop her an email. HealingRelationshipsPA.com. Read, learn, and enjoy No Perfect Love by Dr. Allison Nirenberg. Explore the origins of perfectionism. Learn how it keeps our relationships stuck in a cycle of disappointment, anger, and resentment. Dr. Allison has shattered the myth of happily ever after, moving couples from Disney princess pipe dreams into the real world where even the best of relationships is far from perfect. Get your copy of No Perfect Love by Dr. Allison Nirenberg. Available at major and independent bookstores and online booksellers. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one. And we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go for the stakes and the steak. Isn't it time you found a better view in Atlantic City? Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanec.com. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Welcome back to the show. This is Dr. Allison Nuremberg. So happy to have you listening. And I have our featured guest, Brad Langenberg, as well as another featured guest, Brad's girlfriend, Karen Brown, who's joining us on the show. Hi. Welcome, Karen. So Thank glad you. you're joining us. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah, I'm excited. That's yeah. been so good so far. Oh, good, good. So we have been talking. I've got a couple more questions for Brad. Brad, it's so great to have you on. Um, tell us also about um, doing your interventions. Why don't you tell us about some of the principles that go into doing an intervention well? Tell us about one that went well and tell us about one that didn't go well. Well, <clears throat> I think the uh, depending on the situation, you know, sometimes we just got to do it. Let's go. Which we talked earlier, I do real well because there's a lot of chaos. It's hectic. And that's when I do my best. But before that is especially working with high profile people or celebrities. There's a lot of people around them. And sometimes that's a bigger challenge than working with them. And I, it's understandable because... With a celebrity, high-profile person, there's always a fight to see who's going to be the most important person in, that li in their life. And a lot of times, and you know, I get it because their whole financial well-being is built on that person. I understand. There's a fear that they're going to lose something. They have that fear. But it's really difficult sometimes because everyone... Everyone wants to be the most important person, but they're all trying to be so helpful. And you talked earlier about isolating, you know, even though sometimes the people that they have in their life aren't that healthy, but it's still a wall that keeps them from society. And some of the challenges that you were talking about earlier, like, you know, dealing with the people in the society on, you know, judging me on how what I did last. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's, for me, is getting in touch and talking with those people, doing the background. And I think the I talked earlier a little bit about I had done an intervention. There was a woman they brought in, and I just could see it. This isn't going to work. 
It's just yeah. not going to happen. She had been drinking, and, and once they've been drinking, if they've been drinking and they're using while you're there, you're talking to the drug or the alcohol. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. It's better to catch them when they're a place where they're sober. At least they can they can hear you. So it just so happened I brought her out. I have horses. We had a round pen. It was me and her. She showed up, and it was just they, she was difficult. They've been trying to get her in treatment for months. They've been trying to do something. They couldn't do anything. She was with her horse, and I just said, you know, you can't give something to your horse that you don't have yourself. You can't give, you can't, your kids could care less what you're saying to you, saying to them, they're watching your feet. And unless you have love for yourself, how are you ever going to love somebody else? How are you going to give something you ain't got? Let's get you into treatment today so you can actually give something to your kids and your horses. And she just goes, okay. And I went, that's it? <laughs> okay and away we went yeah. um difficult ones um i was in a well i got to be careful how much i say <clears throat> but we went to do the intervention it was me the psychologist and the family member there was guns everywhere when we walked into his bedrooms there was grocery sacks full of different drugs he was hiring a kite and Finally, at one point, I just went, okay, this is it. I'm done. You're going. And he just goes, okay, once again, let's go. Let's go on the way. And the interesting thing was, you know, he wasn't giving in without a fight because I have never met somebody that's been using drugs or alcohol that is honest. The minute they ingest any type of drug or alcohol, instant liar. And so I said, you don't have anything on you. He said, no. So I searched him and everything. We went through TSA, and he had heroin and cocaine in his shoe. I don't know how he got through, but he got, made it through because he was pre-TSA. So that would be two of the most memorable ones. <laughs> did that, that one done. work out? Like, how did it end for him? worked out. We got him in treatment. He's sober today. Wow. He is sober today. And actually, he said, you know what? We've had this intervention, that's intervention. So he goes, you're the only one that's ever been able to get me in. Is there aftercare for you? I mean, after this happens, do the families yeah, thank call you. upon you? Yeah, I, because wanted to ask you for that. me, this is a lot about trying to help the families because they're in disarray. They don't know what to do. So they're going to be going back to their families. So I want to try to supply as much support as I possibly can for them. I really push people to go to Al-Anon. It is so important. You don't have Hopefully. to join it. Just go check it out. I totally agree. Do you agree. ever suggest, like, different people in the entourage, like, to, to the actual, you know, the, the star or the movie star, do you ever say, look, this person might not be healthy for you to return to? Got to be ever... real careful with that. But, yes. Yeah. yeah. It depends. I've got to find the right person to talk to. It might be the manager or the agent or something like that, but you got to be kind of careful with that. Well, and I think it's so important what was talked about with the family. This is a family disease. It affects everyone. Yes. And um, and so with Al-Anon, because I, I went to Al-Anon, mm-hmm. you know, I was married to an alcoholic. And what I began to realize by the time I got to Al-Anon, I was as sick as the alcoholic. Yeah. You know, it's like they say the um, the alcoholic is addicted to the bottle. The Al-Anon is addicted to the alcoholic. So it was that was me trying to control you know, oh, yeah. I was trying to do everything. You were enabling or you I were was just in, promoting it, his, mm-hmm. the, beha- the bad behavior. Exactly. Exactly. We dovetailed. I mean, we yeah. fit perfectly. So, yeah. You know, and also, <clears throat> you know what helps, and you probably find this in your work, the more I understand about this character, Brad Langenberg, the more <laughs> I understand about the people out there. You got it. It's not mm-hmm. separate. If you spot it, you got it. You know, yeah. and what I realized for myself is that, I'm my private thoughts, not my public speeches. Mm-hmm. And so now when I'm working with people, you know, I know how much they're give, how much they're covering up. You know, for me, it took me a long time in recovery. I remember I was someplace and I walked up to get some coffee and I said something to this guy. And I go, how you doing? He said, I'll be doing a lot better when you get away from me. Ooh. The hair went up on me. I had hair then. My hair went up. <laughs> and I realized that then I went, I knew who had the problem. It was me. Mm-hmm. What was your aha moment? What what started the path to recovery? That I realized you? that, you know what? People don't make me angry. They just expose all the anger and fear that I had keep hidden. My place where I got into recovery was when I finally realized that, you know what? I can't keep supplying my own answers. If I had the answer, I wouldn't be feeling like I do. If I had the answers, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing. 
And I finally hit to that place that I could do nothing for myself, from myself, and my whole life changed, and my, all my prayers were actually answered. Was there an intervention? Did friends and family come to I you stopped, at all? I stopped or? breathing. Okay. I was in a, my parents' basement in, in Hoskins, Nebraska, and um, like I said, I couldn't get my breath, and I don't know if I said it out loud or if I just thought I said, God help me, and I saw myself, I had this bright light moment, and I saw myself as I was, that I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and I went, it hit a mile deep. And then everything kind of opened up, because when you see that, then there's an opportunity to get some help. What's tough about recovery, when you first go into do an intervention, that person is usually under the influence within a few days of drugs and alcohol. It takes a little while to get a person separated from that, chemical, whatever it is, to find out what you're really dealing with. Yeah. You've probably seen that too, Allison. Yes, yes. So you don't know for sure. I kind of have an idea who's going to make it and who's not. But, you know, so many times, three days later, I'm like, it's a whole different person. It's so funny when you said that. Like, sometimes I think I, I know what's going on, and I really don't, that you never know who's going to make it. And, you know, I, I hear from patients years later that that – even if we stopped therapy and didn't think it was working, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm doing well. I've got two years of recovery. Or, yeah. Like, it's it's just so nice that we can't predict everything. And yeah. yeah. You know, Jeff, you said something really, you said something really powerful earlier about, you know, me helping the families. And I think it's something that I've always seen in society, you know, like these last few years, everything's about, hey, I'm going to change that, those people over there. We don't really have any marches to go, hey, there's something really wrong in how I'm living my life. There's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. It's always that other person, that other group, that yeah. other event. And for me, it's just like the family members. I need to continue to work on me. And yeah. I think as happens to a lot of us that are professionals, we got all the phrases down, we do all the stuff, but then the inward work, we kind of forget about sometimes. And it happens a lot with families and the people around them. I really encourage them, hey, you're going to have to do your work. Now it's time for you to go to work, just like me. I feel like we live in a world of discord, and you look Absolutely. at politics. We're in a uh, horrible political cycle right now with the midterms, and I watched a little bit of the Mehmet Oz and the, and the Fetterman debate, and it, it's so toxic and it's so awful what they're saying about Fetterman, who just three or four months ago suffered from a stroke and is struggling to find his words and his footing, and people just want to attack him and our youth and our and our people and our young people are watching this and saying do I really want to lead do I want to be part of all this there's just so much hate and it just it just breeds you know this whole politics this this discord has just bred so much ill will in our country where people just can't get along anymore I think it's always been there Jeff I think it's always Mm -hmm. been there and these events are exposing all this anger and frustration I was down I had friends coming from out of town we went down to Liberty Hall yeah go read some of that stuff that's what needs to be in debates the stuff that's on the walls over there, I can't remember what it was. I was trying to find, they wouldn't let me take a picture of it, but we don't talk about those things in debates. There was a beautiful quote. I can't remember which one of the guys. He said, if man was basically good, we wouldn't need pol- uh, government. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like what, what happens so often is that we, we have to make someone else wrong to make ourselves right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That's all social so, media now. All mm-hmm. the yeah. discord mm-hmm. and fighting yeah, is really all is. about just digging into your point, regardless yeah. if it makes sense or not. Exactly. And it's right back to the image that right. I'm always trying mm-hmm. to project instead yeah. of what's really going on. I and mean, all it takes is one event to come along and it all falls apart. Well, it's an identity crisis. It's just that's what it is. It's a huge identity mm-hmm. crisis. And social media has made it so much worse. So I feel bad for our kids because we have at least, you know, grew up without that. But there, I mean, the, the level of anxiety in our kids, I have three grown kids and to watch them struggle you know, and so much of it has to do with what's going on. We have the same on. thing. We have three kids, and I feel so bad. Alice and I always talk about, thank God this isn't us. Thank God yeah. we're not part of this generation. Yeah. Yep. And and we're just fortunate to live in it. We were in an innocent generation in the yeah. 80s and 70s, and, and now it's, but it's what's, so tough. What's amazing, though, is they are so they are so aware. I, I My kids, I, I always say, you, you guys are, are just cleaning up the messes that we've made. And they're like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So they're, they're very aware. We, we, uh, Brad just met my daughter, and my daughter was talking. What was she saying? Um, the uh, intrusive thoughts. Yeah, she was talking yeah. about intrusive thoughts. Yeah. And he's like, how do you know that? She's 19. You know, they're aware. They are. And there's conversations being had. 
And so there are good things about social media to me that, you know, that's one of the, the yeah. powerful parts of it. And, and it's people tough. are, it's, the, it's that perfectionism that kids are trying to emulate. And there's that social media is, it's really helping this whole crisis get along. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. really. We've taught kids how to be a success, but yeah. we never teach them to enjoy what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, what, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, all these things we do, the medals, the trophies, the money, the house, at the end of the day, the one thing that we're all, look, two things, is some freedom and peace of mind. Well, we and were building self-confidence. You have to build yeah. self-confidence in your kids. And that's yeah. forgotten so often. That's yeah. what we were talking about earlier, remember, with, um, with the, the kids that are in all of these competitive sports. And it's all... It's the parents. It's, it's the, the parents, parents dream, not it. the kids. Exactly. Yeah. And right. it's insane. It's yeah. like it, we've lost everything that sports are about with, you know. There's sports. Yeah. There's academics. To get into college has gotten yeah. harder and harder. Oh, yeah. You just feel for these yeah. kids and all the pressure that's that they're experiencing, as well as us as parents. Yeah. You have that feeling that, are you okay if your kid's not succeeding? I mean, there's yeah. such pressure. So yeah. I'm going to need to take us to a break right now. When we come back, we've got some great letters from our listeners that we're going to read. Watch for Dr. Allison Nirenberg on an upcoming edition of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Listen here on 1210 WPHT or watch on 6abc.com. Read, learn, and enjoy No Perfect Love by Dr. Allison Nirenberg. Explore the origins of perfectionism. Learn how it keeps our relationships stuck in a cycle of disappointment, anger, and resentment. Dr. Allison has shattered the myth of happily ever after, moving couples from Disney princess pipe dreams into the real world where even the best of relationships is far from perfect. Get your copy of No Perfect Love by Dr. Allison Nirenberg. Available at major and independent bookstores and online booksellers. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givenish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... It, it, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Relationship Show with support from Nirenberg Law Associates. If you were injured in a car accident, suffered a slip and fall, or a work-related injury, talk with a personal injury attorney who will get you the proper compensation. With offices in Center City, go to phillypilaw.com. Injured in an accident? Let the law firm of Nirenberg Law Associates work for you because your choice of attorney matters. Let the law firm of Nirenberg Law Associates educate you on your rights because your choice of attorney matters. Meet directly with founder Jeff Nirenberg. He's results-oriented, he's aggressive when he needs to be on your behalf, and he wins. Go to phillypilaw.com. That's phillypilaw.com. Welcome back to The Relationship Show with Dr. Allison Nirenberg and friends. We've got Brad with us. We've got Karen with us. We're so fortunate that we have a bunch of voices that can help answer these questions. Here is my first letter from a listener. Dear Dr. Allison, my partner has a very high profile job where he's constantly in the spotlight. After work, he often goes out to eat with his coworkers and stays out till all hours of the night. He gets a lot of attention from women because they recognize him from TV. Lately, he's been coming home drunk, and I know they have been going out to bars and strip clubs. I don't know if he has cheated on me or not, but I'm suspicious that he has, especially when he comes home loaded. His drinking has increased so much in the past year. He has been waking up hungover and even called in sick for work last week. That is not like him because his job means everything to him. His ex-wife won't let him see their child because she is afraid he'll be driving him home under the influence. 
He is scared to go to a therapist or even consider rehab because he wants to protect his reputation. What should I do? Signed, Silent Sue in Center City. Any thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) A lot there, huh? Well, we said it earlier, Al-Anon. Yes, yes. Al-Anon would be great. You know, because I I get it. There's this whole panic to fix that other individual. That may not happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and what do you do to take care of yourself in this situation instead of all the focus on that person? And how do you take care of your kids? Yeah, and recognizing it's a progressive disease. It's going to continue to get worse, and it's fighting a battle. That, I mean, to try to fight that battle by yourself, you can't. You can't. You Therapists can't. are so important right now, and it's amazing to watch the, the, the growth of, of just healthcare professionals in general. When we got married, you, you know, we always talked about how lawyers and psychologists were sort of at the bottom, and now the psychologist in particular has become so important post-COVID. Everybody seems like they're... Asking me or Allison, you know, do you have somebody I can talk to? Everybody has issues and wants to, you know, wants treatment. And it's great to see that people are reaching out. It was difficult with young people because in my observation is they ran out of distractions. They didn't have the normal distractions. Right. You know, instead of being, they were just, the anxiety and the fear, all those things that the young kids were dealing with was always been there. But all of a sudden now they're locked inside their house. There's nowhere Mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. They're stuck with it. Well, and and it, when you think about this letter, even you think about how because he's in a high profile, there's a lot of reasons why he doesn't want to go to a therapist. But therapists have confidentiality. You if know, he saw somebody, it wouldn't be spoken well, about. She said he's scared. Yeah, she said he's scared. That's yeah. the bottom line. He's scared. So and, such and a all, good point. Ken. Yep, you're right. And and also too, there's always this part in there that's it's they're always. How do I want to put this? That there's kind of a fight to stay sick. There's always going to be a reason that I can't get help. Yeah. I can't get help because of this, you know. And there's celebrities that I know that are involved in recovery that walk right down the middle of a very busy street in Santa Monica, California. Nobody even pays attention just because they're pros. They know how to deal with it. I totally get it. It's much bigger than they think it is. They yeah. paint it as a great big thing, and it's like that everybody will know. It seems like it's a mountain when it's only an inch high. That's a real challenge to get them to that place, you know. And, but what really helps is when they get into recovery, when they can get around other people, they can kind of find out, oh, yeah, it's really okay, you know. Yeah, completely. It's important. All right, let me get to the next yeah. letter. Dear Dr. Allison, I think my mom has a food addiction. She used to model when she was in her 20s and somehow is still obsessed with how she looks, even though she is in her 40s. It's really weird. She leaves at night to go to the Wawa and buys three pints of Ben and Jerry's. And when I wake up, they are empty in the trash can. We can barely keep any snacks in the house because she binges on them. She hasn't been making herself throw up recently, but I know she did that in the past. It is gross because we have to share a bathroom. I am still in high school and shouldn't have to deal with all of this. I don't want to have friends over to our house anymore because our overeating is embarrassing. I spoke to her about it in the past, but she told me it is all under control. I know she sees a therapist sometimes, but I don't think it is helping. Sad Samantha in Cherry Hill. Mm. Yeah. Well, I worked um, adult adult children of alcoholics for about 10 years. Mm. And, you know, this is is where you can see that it it carries from generation to generation. You know, it really does. And and one of the things they say in ACA, adult children, is um, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Mm. You know, so just the fact that she's writing that letter is amazing to mm-hmm. me. What a good point. Yeah. You know, it's, and I know she's already mentioned, said she mentioned something to her mother, but it's also how you present it. You know, it's about, you know, to tell them how much A is how much you appreciate about him, what this is doing to you and, yeah. and to go to them and go, Hey, I'm, I'm really scared for you. And it really, I'm hurting just watching you. Mm-hmm. What's going on? You know, let them know that you're coming from a place of love. Yeah. 
And I got to make sure that that's really important, especially with the food. The food is such an isolating thing. You know, I don't know if you work yes. with many oh. food. That do. It's a tough one. It's a it's a it's a disease of isolation to the utmost. I, I definitely wanted to share this letter in particular because you know people think of addiction, they think of drugs and alcohol, but there's so many other types of addictions, and I think food addiction is a real thing. It's one of the most difficult ones too because. With like with alcohol or drugs, you abstain. Yes, you, you can't abstain from food, so you have to learn how to have a relationship with we're, food. We're seeing this with our our uh, daughters in college, and it's so prevalent in college right now with with the persona of the eating and the binging and the purging mm-hmm. and kids taking diet pills and Adderall, and it's just so prevalent that it starts at a very young age. Very young, and the shame behind well, it. Yeah, the shame with with eating disorders and, huge. And even in this letter, you could hear she doesn't want to have friends over, and yep. you could hear the shame again. Of her isolating, and I liked your idea with going to ACOA meetings and even Alatine. I was going to say Alatine as well. Where there's able to be other teenagers, because I think so much with addiction is feeling alone in your shame, mm -hmm. and to know that other kids have similar situations is really valuable. I've told Brad there's there's a quote C.S. Lewis. It says, "Friendship is born the moment one person says to the other, what you two? I thought I was the only one.'" Oh, I love that. It's I just one of got my the favorite chills. quotes. Yeah, yeah. because that's, that's right. it's it's when when we're authentic. And I love that. I love d- what, what we're seeing now is I have a friend. He's a uh, professional football player. His name is Aaron Taylor, and he's gone public with this. He was molested as a child, yeah. and he went public with that. He became an alcoholic, and he's now sober. And we see this more and more. People are sharing their experiences. They're yeah. talking. You know, it needs to be talked about because that sets others free. So, but, but the, the fellowship is, it, it's about sharing. That's what, how 12 step was all started. Yeah. Beautiful. Two it's guys so, it's so down important when these it. athletes and big actors come out with their stories, it, yeah. it normalizes things. And it's so powerful to hear that when you're just yeah. a normal person. And I think it's important having celebrities and having, you know, uh, athletes who people look up, up to exactly. share, sharing up their to. stories and then yeah. letting us know that we're all human and that we're all on this earth together doing our best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved having you guys on. I really yeah. have. And I'm, I'm so sorry that we're at the end of this hour. But I wanted to thank you to our amazing guest, Brad Langenberg, and our guest girlfriend, Karen Brown. I'm so happy to have you on thank as you well. So you offered a lot. Now we're coming to the end of this great show. If you want to order the book, No Perfect Love, feel free to order it on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or in indie bookstores. Thank you to my team, Jeff Nirenberg, Joe Krause, and Joe Doherty. Thank you also to the listeners for tuning into the Relationship Show with Dr. Allison Nirenberg and friends. You've been a great audience. This is Allison Nirenberg wishing everyone a wonderful week. Until next time, keep taking chances and opening up your heart for love. Thanks for listening to The Relationship Show with Dr. Allison Nirenberg. For more information or to contact Dr. Allison, just go to HealingRelationshipsPA.com. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.